Well, let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Uh, yeah, pretty good. Family day it was a nice, relaxing day. That was good. Could we? I'm sure everyone could use that. And I mean, every day is a little bit the same. Even family day is not that differentiated. At least for you know, for those of us working at home, at least people who are going out have a completely different experience of the pandemic and and uh, deserve our admiration. Uh, anyway, Bruce, it was a woolly and wild 6-5 loss to the Winnipeg Jets. Man, that team, I think, is good. I, I like the Winnipeg Jets. They have a lot of guys who can snipe and score. And um, the Oilers had 15 grade-A chances to 10 for the Jets. So, you know, the story on some levels, goaltending. Mike Smith's uh, not able to make a save uh, early in the game. This is our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast. Bruce, I will start it off today with just okay. two, two quick, just a real quick comment about my good thing, Alex Chason. You know, he, I, I like the player. I know that uh, he's not universally liked in the, in oil country, at least on Twitter. You know, which is a pretty tough crowd. The Oilers Twitter crowd has historically been, uh, you know, can have a pretty hard edge to it. And people are not thrilled with his contract, which is, which is, you know, not a, it's not an outrageous contract. It's not a great contract, but he, he's, and he's up until now paid for that contract. I think And tonight he just, he just played well. He all year long, Bruce, he hasn't, he has yet to make a mistake, uh, on a grade A scoring chance against a major mistake chase on, on a grade A scoring chance against. He's a very, very smart and solid defensive player, and he's also offensively smart, and that's what we saw tonight on his two goals. Um, he got up ice. Uh, uh, Devin Shaw made an absolutely brilliant pass. He did uh, up ice pass, and and but Chason had snuck in behind the defense, and he and he got a like a semi break and whipped it past the goalie with a great shot. He can really shoot, and the second one I, I liked even better in some ways because um, it just it was just. He, he had made a pass, and then he did the right thing, Bruce. He went to the net. He went to the net. And Evan Bouchard got one of his 11 shots at net, missed the net, I think. Tyler Ennis scooped it up, put it up to Chase on, and Chase on, because he was going to the net right to the slot, he got the puck, made a little move, and put it in the net. Just a great, uh, smart NHL veteran goal. And and we like you know we've we've been complaining a little bit about the vets not playing like vets, some of these mm -hmm. depth forwards. Well, that he Chason certainly came through tonight uh, with a with a very big performance, and and, and I think the orders are really close, Bruce, to having a mm -hmm. solid bottom six with, and he's part of that. I think he's most definitely part of it. He's an ace fourth liner, I think. I mean, you can look askance at the contract. The way I look at it is that they pay him a million for even strength and a million for power play, and it's not all <laughs> that far out of line because he's uh, you know he's good in both um, both disciplines. And like, you're like you say, he does little to just, does little to hurt the team. So, yeah, he's not making costly defensive blunders that that Game cost costly. the Oilers so badly this game. It was just, you know, like I, I mentioned, Smith Bruce, and, and he's not one of our bad things, but, um, and it's because he of the four goals that went in, they were all Grade A chances. Like one of them was there was a couple that were kind of borderline Grade A chances, you know, but the like the last two, but they were wicked shots, both of them. And, um, you know, he, he needed to make a save, yep. but, uh, 
He needed to make a save. What's your bet? What's your good thing? Oh, uh, well, I got to credit the, the Oilers for making the comeback from, you know, dead in the water, 4-1 down, and tip at Yank Smith at that point, put in Koskinen. They pulled it within 4-3. Uh, Winnipeg got one goal on a slot deflection to extend the lead to 5-3, and the Oilers just kept pouring it on. They scored late in the second. They scored again early in the third to tie it up. And unfortunately, the Oilers tied in the third period are not a safe hockey club. They are and not. They have, uh, I mean, five, their last five regulation losses in a row, their last five losses in a row have all been in regulation and they've all been in games where the Oilers were tied in the third period. So they're just not able to, you know, sort of stabilize and, and lock down a tie game. Not that anybody really was going to lock down this game probably, but I mean, this is a repeated pattern where they come back, get a tying goal, and then they give up one against right away. It happened at least twice tonight in the first yeah, period kinda, and then again in the third. Kind of discouraging. So that What's, part is discouraging, but the comeback itself was, I mean, it was the, the pace of play. I mean, the second period, the Oilers outshot Winnipeg 22 to 9, and they were just flying out there. And the buzzer just couldn't come soon enough for Winnipeg. And fortunately for them, three of their nine went in, and only three of Edmonton's 22 went in, and that was kind of the tail of the tape all night. Let's segue to your bad thing, Bruce, because we're kind of going. We're going to go to order now through the goals oh, against okay. as our as our bad thing. So what what is okay. you know you're going to take the first two goals and yeah, what, what? the first two goals both in the first period and they were both um, um, turnovers by the same Oilers player in his own territory, uh, Kyler Yamamoto. Both times under pressure. I'll you know I'll give some credit for the you know the forecheck, but uh, one was on the penalty kill and. Uh, uh, the Oilers worked in battle to finally get a chance to clear the puck, and the puck came to Yamamoto, and he froze for a split second and got the puck checked right off his stick and back into Winnipeg possession, and from there to the back of the net in fairly short order. And then in between those goals, he had same player again. Yamamoto had a brutal turnover in Edmonton or in, in the attacking zone, where he made this weak dump pass back somewhere in the direction of the point, but it only made it about halfway, and there was a jailbreak the other way that Tyson Berry put out that fire with a diving stop that broke up the two-on-one, but another poor giveaway. And then on the uh, 2-1 goal, right after Edmonton had tied the score one-to-one, again, there was a lot of 50-50 puck battles. Jujar Kara had one where he, he sort of lost the battle, and, he, and then he got a piece of the puck, and Slater Kukuk, same thing. He kind of lost the battle in the corner, but he came out in the slot, and he got the puck. And between them, it came on again onto the stick of Yamamoto, and he just flipped it. It looked like it may have been deflected, honestly. I have to look hard at that goal. But again, just not strong on the stick, not you know, not making a heavy or heady play with the puck. And it went right to this guy, Kyle Connor, who knows what to do with pucks in the slot. And bam, in the net, that one went. So I saw it like... It looked like three pretty brutal turnovers by Yamamoto in the first period, and two of the two of them wound up in the net. Yeah, um, on the first goal, Bruce, I really hated this the uh, cross seam that opened up between Yamamoto and Nugent Hopkins, mm-hmm. and especially Yamamoto when when you're in yeah. that position. He had his stick on the wrong side. Like yep. he's trying to block the pass to the point. Oh, yeah. What are you worried about the pass to the point at that point? That's not if they pass it to the point. He's not going to score. You have a chance then to go out and block the shot. 
but if you're going to let allow that cross seam in, in that moment, they're going to score. So that was like he's been a very good penalty killer, Kalari Yamamoto. Mm-hmm. So that was one of the first mistakes he's made on the PK. Might even be one of the first major two mistake on a two good, different mistakes right in a row. Say, right now, now the the puck I think was knocked off his stick on the mm-hmm. turnover. Yeah. Um, he was try, he was going to turn it and then it got he got hacked. That happens now and then, but the cross seam that's a mental error rather than he just kind of lost a battle, the physical on the turnover. And, and Nugent Hopkins as well wasn't covering anyone with his stick in the slot, in the defensive slot. Oh. And he also allowed the cross seam. Um, yep. And both of those, so both of those guys. This, the I seam was narrow, but the both sticks were on the wrong side. And the, yeah. the guy who sifted the pass, through, I know for sure it was Shifley who got the shot, and it was a rocket right inside the post. Great shot. It was a, And it was a fine pass by Blake Wheeler, who's a, fine passer but you know the lane was there because sticks were really not in a good spot so we now segue to my bad things which were (laughs) on the third fourth fifth and sixth goals goals. (laughs) and i'm going to single out like one or two players on each Mm -hmm. goal there was a number who have culprits on all of them yeah um so on the first one um uh, which which play was this one? This, this is the third goal. Oh, yeah, okay. They break in over the blue line, Winnipeg. And it doesn't seem like a very dangerous rush at all. Nugent Hopkins is kind of shaded. You know, he's on the guy coming in over the blue line. And and Nurse decides to come in for the hit. Mm-hmm. And um, he goes for the hit, kind of takes him out of the play. He's, he's out of the play then because the Winnipeg player um, just drops it back to the trailer coming in. And um, and then uh, there's just brutal coverage from Cuckoo, as you noticed, on this play. Because instead of going right to that shooter, he's kind of backing away. Like, there's no other Winnipeg jet in the area. I think he's he's thinking there's another jet coming down that he has to cover off on a two-on-one. But there's no one. It's just him and the there's shooter. No one there. He has all kinds of time to come over to that player. Holy and shut down, back. Yeah. And shut down that, uh, that shooting lane. And he's just kind of lets the guy come right in and snipe it. So Bruce, that that was kind of Nurse. When I watched it again, I, I I was a little more forgiving of Nurse and a little less forgiving of Cuckoo. I think he was the major culprit on that one. Although both of them, I didn't like their play at all on it. Uh, the next goal. It was a two-on-three that turned into a one-on-one, and then the one-on-one was just poorly defended. And Smith, I mean, I think he has to have that one like. The angle that shot came from the five hole was pretty pretty gaping. Yeah, maybe. Well, you're going to do the review of the chances. You might change it too. We I, I had it as an A chance initially. Yeah, it's, it's an A chance, but it, you, you still need some saves on A chances. I mean, the Winnipeg goalie was stopping some. You need you need three out of every four A chances stop, Bruce. If you're an NHL goalie, you stop three out of four A chances, and Smith let in four out of four. So uh, he only had four, and he let them all in. So not not his best night. Uh, the next one is uh, just a kind of a a broken play, but I really didn't like Larson's play on it. He again he he, he lost the puck on the boards, and it goes towards the corner. And Logason's there on his man. Larson doesn't have to go over to that man. He can go cover the slot. Like he can go cover a passing lane, and he kind of hustles down there to help out Logason. Well, Wild Bill does not need your help. I can assure you, Wild Bill Logason knows how to play players one-on-one. It was a big loss when he went out in that game, Bruce. That guy is really impressing the hell out of me. 
anyway, um, on that play, I didn't, I didn't think Logason was to blame, but Larson kind of got sucked over there. Uh, just another kind of quick hockey's hard. Like I get it. Like mm-hmm. things are going fast and hockey's hard and just a momentary, like, Oh, like I'm going to follow the puck rather than mm-hmm. understand that the, the puck carrier now is covered by my teammate and I have to go somewhere else. But uh, it was a, a mental mistake by Larson. Uh, goal number five. This is the uh, point shot um, where Kyle Turris. Listen, the hardest play in hockey to cover in some ways, like I think generally speaking, is uh, the deflection. Taking the guy's stick in front of the net and lifting mm-hmm. it so he can't deflect it. I mean, who knows where the puck's going to go often, and it's it's a hard play. But this play was pretty slow developing, and Tourist was just standing right beside the guy, and he didn't really make an effort. Back, backing away from him, to my eye. Yeah, I just don't understand Kyle Tourist, honestly. Like, um, for a veteran player who's supposed to have come here in kind of a third-line defensive mm-hmm. role, um, either he's completely and utterly miscast for that role, which is a possibility, um, or he's lost a step, and um, or both. Both both could be possibilities, Bruce. He's really struggling. The sixth goal. <laughs> this is the one, the winning goal where it, now Dominic Cahoon got benched for this play. He 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 makes a neutral zone turnover, which is which was pretty egregious. It was an egregious mistake, and um, it was hard to recover. I didn't particularly li- like Drysaddle's play on it, though, because Winnipeg, again, is coming down. The guy's going into the corner. I think there's a, a defenseman and Cahoon are kind of covering off the Winnipeg player with the puck, and Drysaddle makes it a third Oiler guy, if I'm not mistaken, on the puck carrier, instead of covering the point. I mean, Cahoon is in the defensive center position at that point, and the puck goes back to the point, and it's one-timed on net and deflected in. So that's Dreisaitl could have made a better read there, better defensive read. But, you know, it's happening fast after a turnover. After a turnover, things happen fast. Bad things happen fast, and it's hard for players to read on the fly. But uh, so, the, so the main culprit there was Cahoon, and he paid the price. And he Ooh. may pay the price going forward, Bruce. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that line is going to sur- survive uh, game time next game. May not. We'll see. Oh, I think I think he's going to find himself in the press box next game. That, that was a, that was a definitive benching to my eye, and a deserved one. I mean, that's just a brutal, brutal play, and it cost him the game. You know, I mean, it's a, it's a game of, of very narrow margins and split second decisions, and that and that time, you know, they just came back to tie the game five five, and he's got the puck for a clean <laughs> breakout, and he tries to beat a guy at his own blue line and. Back into the zone it gets, and the instant cluster occurs. And uh, you know, like we had, uh, we we gave um, um, assigned blame, you know, as culprits on the goal. Um, Cahoon for the turnover, Drysaddle for allowing the outside shot, and um, Bouchard for allowing the tip. And to me, if if there's a dollar's worth of blame to go around, ninety cents of it is on. Cahoon and a nickel each on the other two guys. It was that turnover that really caused the problem. And honestly, Bouchard, you know, he was on the wrong side of Blake Wheeler for where Wheeler's stick was to take make that deflection. I mean, the only way for Bouchard to get at the stick is to go through 230 pounds of Blake Wheeler. And I don't know too many defensemen who are, who are going to be able to do that. So I'm really not sure what he could have done different, but 
Well, in your review, Bruce, if you want mm-hmm. to take the like that, I wouldn't quarrel. I would quarrel with. I think Drysaddle could have could have made a good read on that. Could have made a different read uh, and made that play. But um, you know, there's an open point shot. There's mm-hmm. a reason, and it's not just because it was a little bit slow developing. It wasn't like just lightning fast that that play developed. It was a little bit slow. But I agree on Bouchard probably that that may not be a. Uh, there's it was nothing he could have done on it. Bruce, uh, what's your number? Oh, I'm going to go with 30 minutes and 48 seconds. That is the ice time in this game for Tyson Berry. Uh, wow. 28.04 at even strength and just 2.44 on the two power plays that Edmonton was afforded in this game. And it was, um, uh, again, it's a score effects kind of thing. And because they were down a defenseman, because Laguson, I guess he got hurt in the first period. I never did see what happened to second, him. Second, you? No, he, I think he played he a little played bit in the second. He played part of the second, but he was, uh, he'd already been banged yes, up. Yes, there was one continue. shift. There was one shift where he went off really quickly. Mm-hmm. In the first period, he took a big hit. He he had a collision okay. with someone else. So he oh, might have okay. hurt his shoulder or his head, I, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. What a loss. Yeah, I mean, well, that guy. Yeah, well, they, they sure missed him within the game. I mean, they got... They got other defensemen they can stick in there, but they couldn't tonight. But because of being down to five defensemen, because they were down by two or three goals for much of the game, or one goal, uh, Barry and Nurse played a ton. Nurse played 27-18. Uh, Barry played 30-48, as I mentioned, and 20-23 for Bouchard. So they were all three uh, seeing major, major minutes down the, uh, you know, the last part of the game. And Barry, you know, two assists plus one. Uh, he did get a penalty in the game, but, uh, you know, four shots on net. Like, he was a very involved player in this game. And uh, I don't know. He's not. doesn't look to me like the guy the Oilers should be getting rid of at the deadline because Evan Bouchard's already beaten him out on out of a job, like I've been reading on Twitter. But oh, so, I don't get that, Bruce. Like, we're, like the, the, <laughs> if the Oilers make the playoffs, they have a chance to win the Stanley Cup. You're not trading away a guy who can help you win the Stanley Cup at the deadline. Like, what kind of thinking is that? I don't, I honestly don't. Thinking of years of being out of the playoffs by the trade deadline, where you have to cash an expiring asset for for something. But uh, expiring, you you know, you rent your own players when you're in the playoffs. And I think that's a no brainer that he's here for the entire season. And tonight he showed part of the reason why. He's a a real uh, dynamic weapon out there, Tyson. Yeah. Is that a proviso on the trade uh, talk that like that the orders are out of it by then, and then then no. they make the trade? No, just they think if the orders are in the playoffs, he's not that good. He's the seventh best defenseman on the team according to some schools. Oh, okay. Thought. So these are these Evan are Bouchard's people. clearly better, and so is Caleb Jones. You know, anyway, I don't want to go too far down that road, but some of this stuff confuses me a little bit. I mean, they brought the guy in to. To add offense to the blue line, the Oilers are leading the NHL in goals from the blue line. Tyson Berry has 14 points in 17 games. He's not the first guy on the list I'm going to be pointing fingers at. Yeah. Well, I expect Caleb Jones will be in the next game. I I mean, if Loggison's hurt, he'll be in. But Cuckoo could come out. You know, Slater Cuckoo's been kind of inconsistent and iffy. And uh, that was one of his weakest games. So I could see him coming out and Caleb Jones coming in. I think it's like that should happen at this point. And hopefully Lagasin isn't hurt because that would be... Bear too, right? Yeah, and Bear, Bear could also go in. And, and I think Gaetan Haas, if he's healthy, he's going to go in for Kyle Turris finally because um, that should, on merit, that should happen. So I'm expecting that that it will. Uh, 
Bruce, my number. Oh, I just wanted to mention with Tyson Berry, as much as even strength as he played, he made not one major mistake on a grade A chance against this wow. game. And, um, you know, there has been a little chaos. He makes more, yep. a higher yeah. rate of such mistakes than any other Oilers defenseman. So, like, people, if you have a criticism of him, and that's that's what it is, well, it's a fair criticism. He, he has been slowly bringing that rate down, um, and this game will help. This game will help in that regard. You know, he, you know, Larson and Logason have been, you know, far better at limiting grade A scoring chances than Nurse and uh, the Nurse and Barry. Darnell Nurse had a pretty good game though. Like on the attack, he was very involved and nice rush. Bruce, my number is it's two. It's two numbers. It's six and O oh and one and two. So the six and O oh is Connor McDavid at even strength. Uh, mm-hmm. made six uh, major contributions to grade A chances and not didn't make one major mistake on a grade A chance against. Yeah, I just think he's been playing great two-way hockey this year. And this game was indicative of that. He was just forcing the play, making all kinds of great rushes of the puck, passing the puck, set up Archibald in the slot once, set up, uh, he, he set up he, all kinds of players throughout the game for, let me just see if some, some of the other ones, but just, he was fantastic. I mean, he, he didn't quite break through himself. Like Winnipeg did a really good job of defending against his rushes. And yes, they kept they did. disrupting his rushes. Anything that he tried to go down the middle, if he took it to the outside, he would find space. But anything down the middle, they'd get a stick in or they'd get a piece of him somehow and disrupt it. At least he, he push did. him to the outside. Yeah, he had that. Um, well, he set up Pulley in the slot in the first mm-hmm. period for a one-timer uh, mm-hmm. for, for a good <laughs> shot. And, and then... Uh, where he banked it off the back of the net twice in a row to beat the guy behind the net. He passed it off the back of the net to himself twice in a row. And then after the second one, he fed it out through through Nuge's screen right to pull the RV, and he ripped a shot on net. That was Another one at even strength was the... Um, he went in over the blue line and put it back to pull the RV, who made an absolutely gorgeous pass to Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who made an absolutely gorgeous finish. Uh, so two fantastic plays on that goal. But I just thought McDavid has been, this is his strongest um, total hockey that he's played in his career. Strongest two-way hockey. And I know some people think, oh, Dreisaitl should win this Selkie. And um, yeah, I'm not, I'm honestly not seeing it so much. I, I seen McDavid playing slightly superior defensive hockey to Dreisaitl consistently. And I saw that this game as well. Uh, Dreisaitl even strength was one uh, contribution for and two major mistakes against. So he struggled tonight. His line struggled. Um, they were on for the one goal, but they were on with McDavid at that point. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I I think if they're going to shake up the lines, it looks like what he likes to go to tip it is to Dreisaitl, McDavid, and Yamamoto. Mm-hmm. And we might see that as a line. You know, I, I've talked about that in the past. I don't, think that's any kind of solution for the Edmonton Oilers. I really like, I'm really starting to like, that was Pugliarvi's fifth consistently really good game in a row with McDavid. I wouldn't be breaking that up. And um, you're like, why, if you're going to, if you're going to break it up, like, why don't you put Pugliarvi out there with dry settle? If you want this oh. power line, Pugliarvi. This, uh, this, this baffled me tonight. Pugliarvi. Yeah. In the uh, in the last six forty five of the game, he played one shift of thirty seconds. Yeah, one shift thirty seconds, and he had five shots, eight shot attempts. He made that great pass on the five five goal that tied the game earlier in the third period. Like, let's bench that guy. 
And meanwhile, Yamamoto down the stretch, uh, and I like Matt Yamamoto a lot, so don't get me wrong, but after the last TV timeout, he had a shift of 213 and another one of 218. And he had one shot on net the whole game, one shot attempt the whole game. It was a deflection. That was a goal, and it was a great deflection by him. But it wasn't like he was a constant offensive threat to anywhere near the extent that Paul Yarby was. And why why Tippett twice went to Yamamoto for two-plus-minute shifts and left Paul Yarby cooling off on the bench? I have no explanation for that, David. He he likes going to McDavid Dreisaitl. He thinks that works. Mm-hmm. I mean, it did, really well, didn't work at all last year. Bruce, still has the choice not. for third guys, doesn't he? Yeah, he still has the choice for third guys, but then it screws up all the other, like it screws up putting out the line that's just, Nugent Hopkins, Puliyarvi, and McDavid, they finally clicked on a goal, like a non-McDavid goal. Nuge finally, like, finally got one. He's off the schneid, he playing yeah. at even strength with McDavid. And, and then you, we hardly see that line down the stretch, Bruce. I don't, I didn't, I didn't like that. I didn't get it. I, um. It's not like they weren't creating stuff with the lines that they had. So the, you know, like yeah. some games, if you're, you know, if you're if you're down a goal and you got nothing happening, then you mix things up down the stretch. But this was a game where where generating offense from their existing lines wasn't a problem. And yet, so this was. I mean, Tippett did. He made some good decisions tonight. He, you know, pulling Mike Smith when he did. You know, at least kept his team in the game. And he, you know, he. Uh, uh, Anyway, that, but that uh, the use of his young right wingers in the last few minutes of the game, when one was going way better than the other, to my eye, like yeah. I, you know, when I'm grading this game, Paul Jarvi is going to get a lot higher grade than, than Yamamoto, and it's not just those defensive mistakes, but Yamamoto he played 21:35 in this game, so you know he had uh, uh, he didn't get benched the way Cahoon did, that's for sure. If it, you know, and just kept going back to him. And, he had some okay moments, but I just didn't think he was really on top of his game. He came out like gangbusters at the start of the year, right? First four or five yes, games, first looked like games, the best player on the great. ice, and he's, he, he has been hated. I mean, and I could make my customary, you know, my uh, usual uh, pitch for to play, see the dynamite line again, but I'll, I'll refrain from doing that because people have heard it wow. 5,000 times, but... I, I still don't get it anyway. We talk about the uh, dry saddle scoring chances tonight. Well, not you know neither of his wingers was really on his game tonight. And uh, no, John McDavid's line. The two wingers both played pretty good, and that's you know that's part of the reason why the differential in those scoring chances. What a difference I think it makes for the Oilers in terms of realistic options. Having RV playing so well, suddenly you have a winger to play with McDavid. Um, who plays really well with McDavid, which isn't easy to do, but Yessa can keep up to him mm-hmm. and uh, play with him. And and every he, I just thought he looked really good today, looked confident and uh, like he fit right in there. And so and this was like it's absolutely crucial that Nugent Hopkins score because he yeah. he's he's cast as the sniper and the sniper's got a snipe. So um, maybe we'll start seeing that. I mean, he he almost got a great power play. Goal late in the second period, too, on a one-timer shot from oh, a dry saddle what a pass. Save. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That There's was a the better game save than anything the Oilers got all night. Yeah, that was. Yeah, I thought they executed that perfectly. I was stunned that Hellbook got to that one. Yeah, and he did. You know, he did snipe too, and especially the one that tied at five-five was a rocket right under the crossbar. But he had a great chance in the last minute, last twenty seconds. 
where McDavid fired a shot pass and Nuge needed to get a little bit more graphite on it to tip it home and he just couldn't make solid contact and that was really their last chance. Oh yeah, I I think I wrote a little note to you there like Nuge put your keep get your stick on the ice. Because if he had had it like Chase on, like you know, wedged it, no. like Chase on is so smart in that That's situation. That's a heavy stick down. He's there, got that bet. heavy stick down on the mm-hmm. ice, like ready, and just then it's then you can deflect it in. I like Chase on the power play actually. I, uh, like I like I like to see Yessa Puliyarvi out there and getting that opportunity. He but was screening on, on that play yeah. that Nugent Hopkins missed the tip. It was Chase on that was in the goalie's eyes again, and that's uh, yeah. that's a specialty of his. Yeah, so Nuge just just uh, had a stick in the air and didn't get it down quickly enough, and there you go. All right, Bruce. Well, let's leave it there. You got game grades to write, so let's. I do. It's a loss. It must be Bruce's turn. <laughs> Don't get a complex about this. It's getting frustrating, man. <laughs> I hear you. I know. I had the, I had a couple losses to start the year when I was grading. And I was starting like, what's going on? What's going on? Anyway. All right, Bruce, thanks for talking tonight. Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.